This is LAC Online Church in Perry, Ohio. We exist to love God and love people. For more information about our church or ministry activities, please visit LakeErieChurch.com. Now here's today's message. And so Psalm, the 119th chapter, I'm going to read uh, four verse, five verses of scripture, verse 67 through 71. Uh, and the Lord told me just to come and encourage your hearts this morning. Starting in the 67th verse of Psalms 119, it says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. You are good, and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. Though the arrogant have smeared me with lies, I keep your precepts with all my heart. Their hearts are callous and unfeeling, but I delight in your law. Here is where we want to hang our hat today. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. If I want to leave a thought with you as you take your seats today, I want to leave this thought with you. Even though it's hurting, it's helping. Even though it's hurting, it's helping. The covenant nature of God is indisputable. God makes covenants that are ironclad and undeniable. The most beautiful aspect of God's covenants are their reliability. God's covenantal nature guarantees that our pursuit of him will not be without rewards. Amen. Another aspect of God's nature that is notable is his revelational nature. God is a God that reveals himself to this day for the sole purpose of his creations, understanding that he is God and he is God alone. The third aspect of God nature, God's nature that is important to note is his relational nature. We have evidence on the importance of relationship from the very beginning when God said it's not good for man to be alone. Psalm 119 stresses the objective nature of revelation, reliability, and relationship. And it never sees that revealed, reliable, and relational word as standing between us and God. Thus, the psalmist affirms the instrumental use of Scripture. God's Word is His instrument to bring us into a living union with Himself. Now, since this is true, we are not to worship Revelation or we're not even to worship the Bible. I knew it would be quiet right there. Rather, we are to worship the God who reveals Himself in the Bible. While this psalm teaches a high view of revelation, it is never at the expense of living before God. For example, in verse 2, the psalmist says, Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him rather than them with their whole heart. Again, the psalmist confesses, With my whole heart I have sought you, God, not the Bible, not the preacher, not the praise team, not the youth minister, not the building secretary. I sought you, God, with my whole heart. Psalm 119 teaches that the living God is the God who speaks. He stands behind his written word. Beloved, since it is God who has revealed himself there, this word is true. And as we have seen, it is settled in heaven. It comes with eternal and divine authority. Moreover, since the word of God is revelation, God must prepare our hearts to receive it. The psalmist does not rely upon his unaided reason in order to understand God's word. The God who speaks must illumine our hearts or illuminate our hearts so that we can hear his speech. 
Now, I know if I were to poll the room this morning, I feel very confident that I'd find many, if not all of us, are going through something. I found that even in the best seasons of my life, there is still something that brings a certain level of discomfort and uncertainty. By, and by definition, or what that would be called, beloved, that would be called affliction. And my, by definition, affliction is something that causes pain or suffering and change always brings about a certain level of pain and affliction. But my brothers and sisters, I must tell you that God is a God of change. I know my Bible scholars may say in Hebrews it says he's the same yesterday, day, to, yesterday, today, and forevermore. And I do not dispute that, but one thing about God's sameness is his penchant for change. I'll give you some words so that you know I'm just not spouting any empty ideologies or any empty philosophies. When God wanted change, he sent a curious shepherd to fight an immovable giant. When God wanted change, he sent a stuttering servant to talk to a stubborn pharaoh. When God wanted change, he sent a confused community into the desert and fed them with manna from heaven. When God wanted change, he commissioned himself. He talked to himself. He convicted himself to convince himself to crucify himself so that he could collect the sins of the world to save his children. Now with this in mind, we must remember that our attitude during suffering or affliction is very, very important. We must remember that because God does not waste pain. If you turn in your Bibles to Isaiah the 66th chapter, it says, Will I bring you to the point of birth or to the point of your most uh, trying pain and not birth something new? There's always something birthed from your pain. However... There is one thing, even though you don't have control over the pain that you have to endure, there is one thing you have control over, and you have control over how you respond to the pain. Your attitude when, when you're afflicted, your attitude when you're uncomfortable, your attitude when change comes and transition finds its way to your door. You have control over how you respond. However, it's not just about enduring the pain that comes through affliction, but it's how we endure that will determine whether we just go through or whether we grow through. I know you're saying, Pastor Coffee, I'm not running towards affliction. I'm not embracing affliction. I'm not rolling out the welcome mats for affliction. I understand. I'm not setting a place at my table for affliction. There aren't many of us in here that have set an expectation for affliction to show up in our lives. But we must know that affliction will come and we're responsible to respond accordingly. And so as I look at the text today, there's three things that the text teaches us, and I'll try to get through all three if you bear with me for about the next 15 minutes. We need to know why God would use affliction. If you're anything like me, you really want to ask the Lord, teach me through different methods other than letting me go through pain. I, after my father died early last year, I asked the Lord why would he create something so painful as death. And Holy Spirit reminded me that humans were never supposed to deal with death. It's because of the fall of man in the garden that we have to deal with it. So until he comes, we need to learn how to deal with pain. God uses affliction in, in a couple of ways. One, he uses it to draw us closer to him. The Bible says in Psalm 119, 67, before I was afflicted, I went astray. In the midst of his affliction, the psalmist still finds that God is 
just. He still finds that God is holy and righteous. In the midst of his affliction, the psalmist still finds that God is a good God. How do we know if you look just a few verses north of verse 67, the psalmist praises God on how well God has dealt with him. It is a challenge for us all that in the midst of our affliction or in the aftermath of it that we are able to still bless the Lord. That's why when David said, I will bless the Lord at all times, he was primarily speaking to the times when it's not so comfortable to bless the Lord. I know it's easy to bless the Lord when all your loved ones are living. I know it's easy to bless the Lord when your money ain't funny and your change ain't strange. I know it's easy to bless the Lord when your loved one is not stricken with an illness and the doctors have run out of answer. I know it's easy to bless the Lord when your church is full of people and the offering is healthy every week. I know it's easy to bless the Lord when your marriage is on straight street and it's not in that rocky season. I know that it's easy to bless the Lord when your children are acting like they have some sense. I know it's easy to bless the Lord when everything is going your way. But will you bless him? When a year like 2020 comes through and we have to deal with a pandemic and we have to deal with a half a million people dying, will you bless him when you get sick in your body and the residual effects of the illness last for months on the end? Will you bless him? Y'all got to forgive me. I, I have a different kind of praise after going through some things. I, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is real. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's with me. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's good. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's a healer. Why do I know? Because he's done it for me. He healed my body. He kept my mind right. He gave me the activity of my limbs. He kept me from danger seen and unseen. I know that the Lord is good so the psalmist here the psalmist in the midst of his affliction he says Lord even when you afflicted me it was good for me and the psalmist's disposition is a clear indication that there was a prophet in his affliction in fact, for any of you Shakespeare fans, Shakespeare has a play called As You Like It. And there's a character named Duke Sr. And Duke Sr. states, sweet are the uses of adversity. Sweet, sweet, sweet are the uses of adversity. Now, although this statement derives from a play, it does have a deep theological connection. Just like the psalmist, Shakespeare is making a seamless correlation between growth and affliction. It was Jesus that said, in this world, you shall find tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome. So that would let us know by deductive reasoning that the psalmist, Jesus, and Shakespeare all seem to be saying no matter what situation or circumstance you find yourself in, you must keep an attitude of gratitude and know that being content in God will enable you to do all things through him. Many of us like to quote the scripture, I can do all things through Christ, but we don't like to quote it within the context that Paul wrote it, and that was being imprisoned. So not only does God use affliction to draw us closer to him, but he uses affliction to deepen our devotion to him. Now, if you read back one of the problem, beard problems, my beard in the microphone, uh, <laughs> big beard problems, uh, it deepens our devotion to him. So if you read back through the entire chapter, you will find that our psalmist here is writing from a position of a weary 
warrior. Biblical scholars suggest that uh, they don't know if it was David or someone like Ezra or Nehemiah who wrote this, but they suggest this was a psalm that was penned throughout the entirety of their life. And many of us can identify with this if we just think back on our salvation story. Because as I look out over the crowd, there aren't many babies in here. So it lets me know that many of us know what it's like to go through things for years and years and years. And if you just think back on your salvation story, I just want you to simply think about what phase of life you were in when you surrendered your life to Christ. For those that have yet to surrender, I want you to think about where you are now and if there is a problem in your life that only God can solve. It's under the context of affliction, pain, or uncertainty that our devotion to God becomes deeper. Why? Some of you might be saying, why? Why is that? Why do I have to go through something to become more devoted? It's because it's only when we are at the end of our rope that we recognize we can't go any further without God. It's only when we have strayed like the psalmist that we truly understand the immeasurable and immovable grace of the Almighty. It's only when we have hit rock bottom that we recognize he is, at, he is the rock at the bottom. I wish I had a few people that was willing to testify about where God had brought you from. Some of you, he got you when you were at the bottom of another bottle. Some of you, he got you when you were at the end of another uh, another. Drug bin. Some of you, he got you when you were laid with a woman that was not your wife. Some of him, he got you when you were doing and living a way that was not according to scripture. Some of you, he got you in the dope house. Some of you, he got you in the hospital. Some of you, he got you pinching. Some of you, he got you at your lowest. We did not realize how devoted we needed to be until we were at the bottom. And if you need any reason to shout, I just, I referenced it earlier, but I just want you to think about what 2020 dished out to us. If, if you, even if you dragged yourself into 2021, baby, you made it. Even if you crawled across the threshold of 2020 into 2021, baby, you made it. Even if someone had to carry you across the bridge into the year of 2021, baby, you made it. Even if you had to back in to 2021, baby, you made it. And that's why with all certainty, I can echo the words of the psalmist in verse 68. God, you are good and what you do is good. When I find myself going crazy and I can't not seem to find my way out I can lift up my voice and say God you are good and what you do is good when I'm having problem finding balance in my life I can say God you are good and what you do is good I know we sing the song Lord you are good and your mercy endures forever but I heard an addition one time and I like it it says every time I turn around you keep making a way for me and I know there's some people in here that understands every time you turn around it seems like the Lord has another blessing with your name on it you need to go ahead and give God some glory and give God some praise because every time you turn around matter of fact if I was some of you I'd start turning around right now where I stood because I need another blessing in my life I start turning around where I stood because I need the Lord to work a miracle I'd start turning around where I stood because I need the Lord to make a way I'd start turning around where I stood because I know I need a financial breakthrough I would start turning around where I stood because God is good and what he does is good. Hey! Glory. Hey! 
ain't going to apologize for my excitement. The Lord is just that good to me. He's just been too good to me. I, the old songwriter said he's been better to me than I've been to myself. He was, he was there for my mother. He was there for my father. He was there for my grandmother. He was there for my grandfather. He was there for my aunties. He was there for my uncles. He was there for my friends. He was there for my cousins. He was there for all of them. But watch this. He was there for me. And not only was he there for me, he's still there for me. I've been through enough that should have, I should have lost my mind, but the Lord still gives me some sense. I've been through enough that I should be dead, but the Lord still graces me with life. I've been through the fire. I've been through the flood, but I was not burnt, nor was I dry. Why? Because the Lord is good. Hey! I got to get out here. I got to get out here. Not only does it draw us closer, affliction draws us closer to him. Not only does it deepen our devotion, but the, the affliction, it causes us to depend on his decrees. Verse 71 says, it was good that I was afflicted so that I might learn your statue. You must understand the psalmist when he is saying affliction was good. He actually means that it was good. Why? Not because the pain itself felt good, but because the end result of the pain was good. Uh, for some of you New Testament saints that don't like to read the Old Testament, I'll visit you where you are in Romans 8. It says all things work together for the good of those that are called according to his purpose. Those that love the Lord, excuse me, let me get it right, those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Now, if you don't love him and are not called, Called, then you will not understand why the psalmist says it was good that I was afflicted. But if you love him and if you are called, you know what it feels like uh, to know and find out how good the pain was for you. I know you might not agree with me and you might say, I'm tired of hurting, but I need you to understand that even though it's hurting, it's helping. It's like injuring your knee and, 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 and trying to compensate with the rest of your body. It's not until the surgeon actually does uh, surgery to repair that area that you will realize that even though the surgical pain hurts, it is good. Uh, some of y'all done had a knee surgery. You need to go ahead and give God glory. Some of you in here walking with replacement knees, you need to give God glory. And you need to recognize that even though he cut me, it helped me to be able to do what it is that I need to do. But he said it was good, not just so that I could tell everybody, look what I've been through. He said it's good, not so that I could show off the scars, like look what I was able to endure. He said it's good so that I might learn your decrees, or in other words, your word. Let me help you understand how important his word is to us it was a word that Abraham had when he left home it was a word Hagar had when she found herself in the desert it was a word that Moses had when he returned to Egypt it was a word that Joshua had when he was standing at the walls of Jericho it was a word that Anna had when she was distressed because she had no children it was a word Ruth had when her husband died and left her a widow it was a word King Jehoshaphat had when the 
armies were closing in on him. It was a word that the widow had when all she had was a little pot of oil. It was a word that Gideon had when he trimmed his army to 300. It was a word that Ezekiel had in the valley of the dry bones. I'm waiting on my scholars to stand up and give God glory for the word. It was a word that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had at the doors of that furnace. It was a word Esther had when she entered into the king. It was a word Nehemiah had when he returned to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall. It was a word that Daniel had when they sealed the den of lions shut with a large stone. It was a word Hosea had when he had to marry a prostitute. It was a word Mary and Joseph had when they found out they were responsible for birthing and raising the savior of the world. It was a word that Paul and Silas had when they were shut up and they began to praise the Lord. It was a word that, that, that John had when he was stuck on the island of Patmos. It was a word that Elder Roy L. Barkley Sr. had when he planted a church in a little city called Paisley. It was a word where he had when he called you out of the sin that you were stuck in and brought you to this place today. It was a word, Bishop, that brought you from where you were from that came here to pastor this flock of people. It was a word. It was a word. It was a word. It was a word. It's a, it's a word. It's a word that reminds me that when peace like a river attendeth my way. It's a word that reminds me when sillows, when, when sorrows like sea billows roll. It's, it's a word that reminds me whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say. It's a word that reminds me it is well with my soul. Beloved, I need you to understand. I'm getting ready to get up out of here, James. Warm up the car. That affliction doesn't just bring grief. It actually brings growth. Affliction isn't, mat isn't a matter of punishment, but it's a petri dish for purpose. Affliction doesn't deter you from destiny, but it positions you perfectly for it. Affliction doesn't change your identity but it actually fully confirms it. Affliction doesn't push you to seek God's hand but it pushes you to seek God's heart. Affliction isn't a means to separate but it's an opportunity to develop a deeper partnership with the Almighty. Affliction doesn't deny your faith but affliction develops your faith and I don't know if you can just go ahead and get uncomfortable in your praise this morning and give God praise and just say it is good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your statutes. It's good for me to experience pain so that I can feel your presence. It's good for me to experience discomfort so I can know the peace that passes all understanding. It's good for me to experience loss so that I know that I'm blessed in the city and blessed in the field. It's good for me to experience setback so that I know I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. It's good that I experience some setback so that I know he always causes me to try through Jesus Christ the Lord it is good hey. hallelujah hey. hallelujah there you go it's a lot of us that did not know God until we actually hurt. We didn't know how good God, how close God was until we were in the most pain we had ever been through in our life. And most of us never experienced that in the physical. We experienced that emotionally. 
We experience that psychologically. I, I, I wish we get to a place where people will, will be ready to testify about how they sat on their bed with the gun loaded and pulled the trigger, but God stopped it. And if anything like me, I didn't put a gun to my head, but I intentionally got behind the wheel of a car, drunk out of my mind, and I said, this is it. I'm going out with a blaze of glory, but God kept me safe. The psalmist is testifying. He's letting us know my pain was good. What about your pain? And I know with COVID restrictions, we can't do. I can't wait for the day where we can. I don't want to go back to normal like the song said, because normal didn't work for us. I, I need, we need something new. And I know there's a season of revival, but I believe a lot of people need a resurrection. Because reviving ain't helping. Some people just hit their good. Some people need a resurrection. But there's a great deal of you today that are struggling because you don't understand how a God that loves you could allow you to endure so much pain. You've sat on your bed enough and said, why? Why? I've served you. I believe in this season the faithful are the ones crying out more than anything because it's the faithful that seem to be under the most attack. I've served you. There's a promise in Revelation, the third chapter. I think it's around probably the 12th, 13th, somewhere in there, 11th verse, where he says, I am going to reward you because you endured. He says, I will not allow you to go through the trial that I will send to the earth. But because you've endured, I will reward you. And I know some of you that's been faithful, you're asking God, why me? What more do you want? I can assure you there's always another level. There's always another level. I can only imagine when the children of Israel placed their feet on the other side of the Red Sea. Only to find out that there was another challenge away. I can only imagine when they toiled in the desert and got to the banks of the Jordan to cross over and only find Jericho waiting for them to capture. I'm sure they were asking, what more can we do, God? It's a very good question. But I believe the Lord sent me here to tell you that the affliction that you've experienced is good and that something new will be birthed. Thank you for listening. Lake Erie Church is a multicultural Pentecostal church located in Perry, Ohio, about 30 minutes east of Cleveland. We would love to have you for a visit sometime. For more information or to connect with our team, please visit lakeeriechurch.com.